Hi there and welcome to Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast. We are two diehard rugby fans having a weekly chat about all things Aussie rugby. We're real, family friendly and positive. So get involved. Get involved. Well, I just want to start off with a little bit of an apology this week. Uh, the pod obviously is out later and tonight is going to be a short one. Just to summarize without giving too much detail, we just had some pretty significant family health stuff going on, which meant we couldn't do it earlier in the week. And Mitch, you had a pretty crazy work week. Is that right? I have, yeah. I've been busy this week. Yep. So we thought there was a potential of recording last night, but we thought it'd be better to wait until the team list for New Zealand and Argentina got released so we can speak about that with a bit more detail. Yep. And it's actually a really good idea because there have been some wide sweeping changes to the Argentina team, as well as a few second changes, particularly in the forward pack for the All Blacks. But before we get into that, uh, I might quickly roll through our social media stuff sure. Go for before it. we hit. And Mitch, you can start us off with the Aussie slash news chat. So Sounds quickly, good. our social media instagram hashtag pick underscore drive underscore rugby facebook is pick and drive rugby podcast and then twitter is at pick underscore drive rugby so hit us up on there mitch why don't you start off with the australia new zealand game well it wasn't australia new zealand first of all sorry australia argentina so <laughs> Mate, that's how freaking tired i am i've had so little sleep over the last few days oh yeah. it's good anyway carry on uh, good so we're going we're to keep this sharp sharp simple tonight we're not going to get in too much detail but uh, just as an introduction, the Wallabies played Argentina last Saturday in Newcastle. It ended up being a 15-all draw. It's The game's actually been sort of rung through the media a lot in this coming mm. few days. A lot of negativity around just the game of rugby and what a boring spectacle it was. I, I personally think that was a very harsh. I thought it was an entertaining game. I liked it. Obviously, there was no try scored, which is what people are complaining about, but... Do we really watch rugby to see tries scored? If you want to watch to just tries, see tries scored. yeah, to just like, see tries. If there's no tries, it equals a bad game. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't agree with that. I mean, we're we're diehard rugby fans, as we said, so we're more <laughs> into the the scrum battle and the breakdown contest and that kind of thing. So it was a good game for me, but there was a lot of questions around it. So let's uh, let's dive on in. Um, did you have any? Anything in like an overview of the game you wanted to say? Yeah, I think from an overview, and it seems to be the consensus amongst a lot of the pundits that have been talking about the game, which unfortunately I'm just going to go along with, is that Australia kind of bottled it and let it go in the last 15 to 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. I think Australia really put themselves in a position to win the game, but just with a lack of experience and um, just some basic silly penalties given away in the second half, when you don't do that when you're up against Nicolas Sanchez particularly, it just allowed Argentina a way to crawl back into the game when a more experienced team would have just locked them out. Um, I actually watched the highlights of the England Island match for the Autumn Nations Cup over the weekend, the extended highlights. And just the um the the professional, I'm not sure if that's even the right word of the England setup. Um Squidge Rugby put a really good YouTube video out where he basically just said England just did things the basic stuff well and that's what Australia needed to do in the last like 15 minutes of the game I can't believe the amount of times we kicked possession away in the last five minutes when we were chasing the game like I I was tearing my hair out at Tom Banks's two or three up and unders and Jordi Pattaya's grubber when you've got a one or two man overlap on the right hand side it's just oh it's a a weird one yeah it's definitely a weird one in that situation because it we I was watching it thinking this this must this isn't coached this isn't this isn't the game plan. This is not what the Correct. Wallabies coaches have out there and said, go and do. And I think mm-hmm. it's the individual players then just being comfortable kicking the ball away. Um, there was a another 
bit around this week as well. I, I watched some um, of Billy Meek's performance for London Irish. And again, he was doing mm-hmm. some similar stuff over there. He was kicking the ball through, kicked oh, it dead a that, few times. He kicked to the final <laughs> kick um, yeah. when they're on the attack. And Sean O'Brien just turns and tears him a new one as the ball trickles over the line in the final play of the game. It was funny as to watch. Yeah, so when you go back and look at his performance at the Rebels this year, you think maybe it isn't Vessels that has a no idea what the game plan is or, or that yep. kind of thing, that it's just the players just panic and kick the ball away. And that's what it really yep. did look like this week. Mm-hmm. There were so yep. many just silly turnovers. But you know what? I actually took a little bit of heart from it because we made fixable mistakes and drew against an Argentina team which had handily beaten, well, not handily, but they had relatively convincingly beaten New Zealand the previous week. So like think things aren't all bad and we didn't lose. We didn't win. I'm confident that this team is on the right trajectory, but just with the team with the lack of experience that they have, we're going to be seeing those ups and downs where you have one brilliant game one week and then not a dire performance, but a significant dip in performance the following week. I wonder if that goes to show more around the the status of the All Blacks at the moment than how good the Wallabies particularly are going. Or if we look at the performance of of Bledisloe 4, was it? Mm-hmm. Tri-Nations 2, whatever, in um in Queensland when we beat them, that they weren't playing well and they didn't play well against Argentina the following week. But then when Argentina and Australia came up against each other, they kind of met a stalemate. Now, yep. in saying that though, this wasn't like, uh, this is a good result for Argentina. When you look at the yes, stats for is. the game, we had... 63% possession and 70% of the territory. With those kind of stats, the fact that we drew is really bad. Mm, it is. And one of the things that frustrated me the most, and people have spoken to, again, because we're a bit later in the week, is the fact that Michael Hooper and regular opportunities throughout the match turned down opportunities to take a penalty kick and would go for the corner. Now, retrospect, there's two ways of thinking about it. One, if you're wanting to continue to apply pressure um, and you're wanting to do it on like a territorial perspective, not inherently just scoreboard pressure where you can take an easy three multiple times, but you want to apply greater territorial and then maybe come up with the five or seven points, then you go for the corner. But Argentina proved the previous week that you can win games on strong defense and kicking penalties that you get the opportunity to do. And that's how they drew this game. Argentinian, the Argentinian defensive wall was resolute and strong throughout the game. And they took the opportunities that they had. If Australia had kicked their penalties, we would have won the game. And it's a simple, simple statement. But it seems that again and again and again, we see Michael Hooper as captain make these choices to turn down kickable opportunities. And maybe it's because Hodge isn't as good as Sanchez as a goal kicker. Um, I, I don't know but it's something we regularly see. And that it's starting to take a little bit of my fanaticism about Michael Hooper and just wear away at the edges a tiny bit. Mm. Um, yeah, I I've still got, rate um, Hooper. I still really like him, but I'm just, uh, I'm I've not got, sure how much. I've got I'm two agree. points I want to talk on on this sort of topic. So the first being, um, yeah, it's it's puzzling to think that looking at the games, the, two, the previous game that where Argentina played the All Blacks, they kicked all of their penalties and won. And the reason they won was due to scoreboard pressure. So why Mm. the Wallabies came out thinking that they were going to be able to just keep having cracks at the line and not succeed. Like there was two different instances where we had a penalty kicked to the line, turned the ball over, regained possession, got another penalty and did exactly the same thing. And 
it just it was puzzling why Michael Hooper didn't take the points, knowing that Argentina were capable of kicking it from so far away, um, and then try and just get that lead and let them chase it down. Um, that was the first point. The second point was there's been a lot of people saying that Hooper needs to be dropped immediately as captain. And one of the things that we do on this podcast is we're not we don't like to be too personal around people, and we want to be a little bit more logical around selection. So I've been putting out on social media a lot and putting it on Facebook and I've not had one response is that's fine. You drop Hooper as captain, but from the lineup on the weekend, who do you put in instead? And no one has an answer. Mm -hmm. No Mm -hmm. one has an answer. And that's the thing. If Matty Tamu was in the team, I wouldn't mind having him take on the captaincy and keep Hooper at seven. Yep. Uh, That would be fine by me. Uh, Or even having... Tamua as VC, but really he's got a stronger voice than maybe you would normally have as a VC. Um, but I agree, there's nobody really that you replace Hooper with. McWright is not there yet. He's played um, he's played one game. Exactly. And how are you going to be replacing the incumbent captain or 100 test Wallaby after having played one game and had one Super Rugby AU season? Only I think that's that's also well, like that's another discussion in of itself is it does Hooper yeah. does Hooper's current position uh, performance warrant being dropped from the team or benched? I I, no. I I mean I don't think it would be the worst decision at the moment to let someone else have a go but who else do we make captain if you look at the next person who's most experienced it's rob simmons and we've seen how badly he went for the waratahs this year if (laughs) he came out and said that this and when next week the wallabies are are playing argentina and rob simmons captaining them i think there would be hysteria in the media people would just (laughs) lose so much fun lose their heads completely (laughs) when it was named when it was announced earlier this year that he was captain of the waratahs there was enough sort of media around new south wales but there's enough hype around simmons not even being relevant or should be in the squad at all the fact that you make him captain i think people would just completely jump ship so you heard it here first. Hooper's going to get dropped for next weekend's game and Simmons is going to be the run-on captain. That's br- um, <laughs> Harry Jones on The Raw actually put out a really good article looking at Rob Simmons's game against Argentina because he was wanting to investigate whether or not Simmons is as bad as everybody says he is because there are three players in Australian rugby that everybody craps on. It is Michael Hooper, Ned Hannigan, and Rob Simmons. They are the three. They are the holy triumvirate. And he basically analyzed Simmons's game and showed how his contributions go unnoticed, but they're incredibly valuable to the team dynamic, particularly if you have some harder ball runners. So if he is within a tight five or a pack where they're lacking in hard edged ball runners, then he's going to get shown up more. But if you have people that are going to be able to take on or continue with the heavy the, the work in the heavy traffic, then he's going to be okay and do the ruck recycling, get the ball from line outs and um, just basically do the dirty work that Locke should do. But we just have this expectation now that Locke's are meant to be flashy. Well, I and, think, I mean, yeah. Rob Simmons hasn't done himself any favours in that last, when we played Argentina in the 2015 World Cup, he scored that runaway intercept try that everyone's just <laughs> expecting of him now. <laughs> he's a victim of his own success that's, that, right. that's the saying isn't it yeah. um, well do we want to have any final thoughts before we move on to the upcoming weekend's game yeah look I just I mean I was first of all I wasn't upset with the game itself I was I'm glad we didn't lose I thought the Wallabies should have you know won the game they had enough potential enough uh, points at what's the word I'm, I'm thinking for enough possibilities or to take the yeah. points on offer and they just t- turned yeah. it down too many times um, Argentina came back and, and did well to draw it I think 
the Wallabies were capable of kicking those penalties. But another thing that I was going to say before that I forgot, uh, just remembered that it was concerning that we had so much possession yet we never seemed to be able to breach their line. The only other time we looked like scoring was when we put a kick through and, and just missed out when, when it going into touch. But um, apart from that, like we didn't look like getting, getting forward at all. So that was quite concerning that we didn't really have a plan B. We just kind of just kept trucking it up and, and hitting that wall. I think, yeah, I think there'll be, improvements come next weekend i we've already seen argentina's made some changes for new zealand this weekend and i just i would be surprised if they could keep that same level of yeah um, aggression commitment defense that kind of thing for this week and next week as well well why don't we shift across into that because the weekend's game that's coming up is new zealand versus argentina very obviously before the final oz versus argentina game next weekend and this is really a redemption moment for new zealand they've had two losses in a row and obviously they are wanting to change that and return back to their usual winning ways and i think i I really want New Zealand to lose just because, again, of the hysteria that is going to come out um, from New Zealand supporters, from the media calling for Ian Foster's head. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that if it does happen. Um, I don't think he should be cut, essentially. But, yeah, I mean, it's going to be really, lose, really significant. If they do lose this game, it'd be the first time that New Zealand has ever lost to Argentina twice. They would have won two games in six Seven, is it this year so there would be legitimate reasons why he should be sacked as well as all blacks coach the all blacks are the best team in the world they should they should be number one um they're not due to their performance in the world cup last year but they are a better team than they're currently playing and they've they've still got good personnel that just aren't firing so i personally think there's enough reason if if they were to lose this week, there would be enough reason to get rid of Ian Foster. Oh, okay. Um, well, why don't we actually talk about some of the changes that have been made? I'm not going to track through all of the Argentinian changes, but basically their entire backline, apart from Nicolas Sanchez, has been changed, as well as some significant changes in the front line as well. Um, we have Facundo Issa come back at number eight. He's been out with injury, although he did get a spot off the bench against the Wolbies last weekend. So the the front row has also changed. Montoya is staying there, but he's joined by props Vivas and Madrano. Basically, I think what Ledesma is going for here is wholesale change to to prevent what you were just talking about. Yeah, rejuvenate, yeah. get over that potential burnout, particularly because it's meant to be like thirty seven degrees uh, over on Saturday. And be by the time one. the evening comes around, it's going to be hot. It's still going to probably be in the 30s. So the wholesale change makes sense if you're looking at a tired squad for their third game in a row in yeah, hot conditions. I mean, it's a, it's a big ask, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. I wonder if um, we're going to see the Argentinian back row have the same impact. So you've obviously got the captain Matera and then Crema mm. as well. I just, I'm, I'm not sure whether or not they're going to have that same energy urgency. level that same impact the same urgency that they've had previously they're going to care they're going to do their best but three games in a row in these conditions with very little lead in i'm wondering if it's that's if it's too much for those big men but look i think the we'll first see. 15 or 20 minutes of this game is going to be key so if they can yeah. come out and get over the all blacks in that first 15 i think that they're they've got enough drive desire um passion to lift to the required level to see out of victory um uh, yeah and you know, the All Blacks, 
the All Blacks are in a very unusual position for them, coming off their second loss, looking at potentially a third straight loss, which hasn't been done since 1998. They're already getting smashed in the media back home. We have all been saying that we were just, we've been waiting for that bounce back from New Zealand. It just hasn't come yet. So part of me thinks, you know, maybe this will be the game where they just come out and, and record like a 40 or 50 um, score victory and just everything clicks. They're just back to their winning ways or it'll just further highlight the issues that they're currently having, that the players aren't quite up to scratch, that the, yep. you know, it's been a big long year for them. They're not quite physically there. Um, and Argentina might be able to poach it. I mean, Argentina, if they win this, they're in the, they're in the box seat to take out the Tri-Nations. So that might be enough for them to just get up and win it. I don't know enough about this, the extended Argentina squad to say that the changes he's made are not, they're not of the required level. I don't know enough about these guys. They may be good enough. We No one expected them to come out and beat um, New Zealand last week. So, you know, I don't know how this is going to go. I think that first 15, 20 minutes is going to be really, really important. And by half time, yeah, we should have a better understanding of wh- who, where New Zealand's at, how Argentina's faring. But I'm, I'm excited. I would actually, as a Wallabies fan, I, I think we need to win the Tri-Nations. It would, for the sport, we need to win something. But it, I'd be happy enough to see Argentina win this as well. Yeah, big time. Anyone but New Zealand. It's like anybody but England, anyone but New Zealand in yeah, this case. That's right. Um, the All Blacks have made some uh, some some significant changes, not on the scale of Argentina. Uh, Joe Moody's returned from injury to start in front row with Nepo Luolua, who replaced Carl Tuinukuafi and Tyrell Lomax as well. Scotty Barrett comes back into the starting side for Patrick Tupilotu. And um, Akira Yuani is back in at number six after his debut was cut short the other week because of the uh card red card as we discussed at length and shannon frizzell has been dropped entirely from the squad with tj perinara and will jordan returning via the bench so the one i'm particularly excited to see is akira yuani i really rate him as a player and think that he combined with scotty barrett are gonna bring just that bit more physicality and edge hopefully into that all blacks pack that they'll need to to front up against the argentinians who have just been on a huge high Mm. and i'm Will Jordan um, barely got a run in his debut. I think he was on the field for about two minutes, in, got injured, and then went off again. <laughs> so I'm actually looking uh, forward to seeing him get an extended run, hopefully, off the bench. And he's just so exciting. Yeah. He, his season for Super Rugby was incredible. So I really want to see him pull that on. Well, I kind of don't because he'll be playing Australia at some point. But he's a really exciting player. So I do look forward to seeing him play brilliantly against any team but Australia. Cool. Are we gonna are we gonna put predictions out there? Because I was, Yeah, I'm, I already thought about this. I already oh you thought about, about it? I'm gonna say I I'm on the fence here. I, I could flip a coin right now as to who's gonna win. So yep. I I'm gonna put it out there, I'm gonna say a draw. Ooh, that'd be brilliant for us. That'd be the, best, be the best outcome, outcome, I think. The best yep. outcome for Australian rugby. New Zealand by five. Okay. 
Cool. I'm happy with that, mate. I'm happy with that. Why don't we leave it there? Um, we wanted to keep it short and sharp this week yep. because it's later in the week and yep. we just wanted to chat about the teams. Uh, for all the spicy news, as well as the latest in Waratah recruitment and transfer deals, which everybody is definitely excited for us to talk at length about. Oh, we'll, we'll do that in a regular pod um, that we'll record Sunday or Monday this coming yeah. weekend. So everybody, thank you so much for your time. Have a wonderful evening or day and we will see you next week. Sounds Bye. good. See you, everybody.